life. Love and health. From the LinkedIn network, this is Life, Love and Health, the show featuring authors who write passionately about their professions and business, revealing the often untold backstory behind their success. I'm Christopher Springman, and on today's show, physician and author Dr. Daniel Ofri tells us how she found and thanked her first grade teacher for instilling in her a love of reading and writing, which inspired Dr. Ofri to write books about her experiences, including her latest. I wrote the book, What Patients Say, What Doctors Hear, after I had the experience of interviewing a doctor and then a patient separately about the same experience. And they gave me two completely different stories. And it's almost like they were in two different movies altogether. And it wasn't as though one was right or one was wrong. They, they both were intelligent and thoughtful, but they saw it so differently. And so that got me the idea to write a book called kind of what patients say, what doctors hear, and, and vice versa. Isn't that similar to one of the health literacy techniques that doctors use called the teach-back method, where they ask a patient to explain in their own words what I, as a physician, just told you? Yeah, the teach-back method of having the patient, you know, repeat back what you've explained to them is very helpful because you can see that often you have a very different perspective, especially when it comes to, you know, a major illness and, you know, long-term medical care. Really, doctors and patients see things quite differently. What will readers take away from your book? What do you hope to infuse them with? The main message of, of my book is that the doctor-patient conversation is the single most important tool in medicine. But someone can be a great doctor but a lousy bedside manner. And I feel that's you know, impossible. That in order to be a good doctor, you must have good communication skills. And that is the patient to recognize that the doctor-patient interaction, the conversation, is the most important part of the visit, more than the blood test, even more than the physical exam, and to give it its due and recognize that that's how most doctors will make their diagnosis and impart the medical care. How do we create a desire and intent and, frankly, a mandate on the part of physicians to practice medicine this way by asking the questions and then listening? You can't quite mandate how physicians will interact, but I think if you can demonstrate to them how much more efficient you become when you, in fact, let the patient talk and don't interrupt or take the time away from the computer... I think doctors will quickly see that it is a much um, more efficient way to practice and you're much less prone to medical error. And I would say most more likely to avoid getting sued, although I, the data to back that up isn't quite as strong, but certainly suggestive, if you take the time to listen and to, and to put your emphasis and effort in communication. I just heard 10,000 of our listeners saying in the background, listen to me, doctor. I know, and, and the thing is, it's so simple. <laughs> it's nothing fancy, and you know, compared to all the other things we do to patients, and MRIs, and CAT scans, and procedures, and medications with side effects, this is pretty cheap. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't make you nauseous or constipated. In terms of bang for your buck and the least amount of side effects, doctor-patient communication is the number one thing in medicine. You wrote a wonderful article in the Lancet entitled In Search of a Beloved Teacher. Would you please read the opening paragraph from that article, which will really get us into this discussion of how you became a writer and perhaps even a physician? 
Written and illustrated by. These words were written on a blackboard in September 1971 in crisp, authoritative chalk. We first graders at Colton Elementary School sat in awe as a young, energetic teacher took the stage in our lives. Ms. Ive, and she was the first person we knew who used that term, Ms., she beguiled us with a dazzling smile, a secret store of bugle corn snacks, plus a tantalizing promise to let us in on the magic that adults possessed, reading. In your article to describe reading and writing, you used the word magic about a half dozen times. She infused in you not only a love for the word, but also a, a real passion for the process. How would you explain that? I think of it as practical magic, because for a child, the conversion of those squiggles on the page into stories and books, it does seem like magic. I mean, it seems like alchemy. The other way of having a story in your head and getting it onto the page, that's also magic. Crossing that divide, it seems incredible. As, as adults, we don't think much about it now. It's so obvious. But as a child, it truly is a magical process. Fifteen years ago, you say, when you published your first book, Singular Intimacies, Becoming a Doctor at Bellevue, about the journey through medical school and residency, you thought of Ms. Zive. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. As soon as I published the book, I wanted to find Ms. Zive because I felt like, in some ways, this book was her book, too, because I, I couldn't have written it without her. And I wanted to find her. But, you know, teachers, how do you find a teacher? They didn't even have first names back then, remember? You apparently remembered her married name, which was Steinberg. But then one day, you were on Facebook, and a little light went off. And interestingly enough... You remembered that Ms. Zive had named her daughter Danielle, apparently after you. So you put two and two together. Well, in this case, process well, I'll life. say first, I tried to, to search Danielle Steinberg, California, over the years, and it was just too common a name in California's too big a state. Um, but then one day, I, I looked on Facebook and I got a singular, um, you know, results of my search. I thought, okay, I'll sent off a quick note, but any chances your mother's maiden name is Ive and that you teach first grade at Colton Elementary School? And she shot back a response in with Underman and said, oh, so you're the person I'm named after. And so I found her after all those years. Love that when I read it. How did that make you feel? I was just, I mean, shocked and amazed. I mean, here in this big, wide world of California with 15 million people and, and lots of Daniels and lots of Steinbergs, and I found the one person. How did you all finally get together and where? So Ms. I was, had moved to Michigan, and she was still living there, not a person who used the Internet. But because the daughter lived in California, she visited periodically, and the daughter now had children. And one day I was giving a lecture at a medical school near Los Angeles, and the mother was coming to visit. So we, I invited the daughter and her mother to come to my uh, medical grand rounds. And if you've ever been to one of these medical grand rounds, the speaker gets up in front of the audience of 200 and 300 people and gives their disclosures. They say, you know, I have a grant from this pharmaceutical company. I consult here and all these disclosures. So I gave my disclosure. And what was that like? And I said that 40 years ago, somebody wrote, written and illustrated by on the blackboard. And that person taught me how to read. And I had her stand up in the audience, and I said to the group, you know, look at all of us with our, our white coats and our degrees and our grants. We owe it all to our first grade teachers. You know, if they didn't teach us how to read, we wouldn't be there. And so we got to give her a round of applause, and I got to give her my books, and it was such a, a meaningful moment to reconnect with her. 
In the words of In Search of a Beloved Teacher, will you please read to us that moment of handing your book to her? When I finally placed copies of my books in Ms. Zive's hands, there were tears in both of our eyes. It had taken far too long, but I was finally able to say thank you to the person who planted me onto the path to becoming a writer as well as a physician. These books were, in some way, her books too. Hundreds of students passed through Ms. Zayev's class during her years at Colton Elementary School. All of us walked out the door, armed with the ability to read and to write. I multiply this times the tens of thousands of Ms. Zayev's, and there are millions upon millions of first graders. But together, we form a sprawling, motley book, written and illustrated, it should be said, by our teachers. What a great gift, and you have certainly returned the gift to not only all of us as readers, but to the hundreds, perhaps even thousands of patients you've met too, your ability to write and to listen. You have become an advocate for the word, or is that a little gushy? I wouldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Daniel Olfrey, thank you so much for joining us today on Life, Love, and Health. Thank you, Chris. Anytime. Life. Love. And health. 